Hub Heroes listeners, this episode is brought to you by Simple Events, a true game changer that integrates with your HubSpot CRM. Ready to revolutionize your event management process? Well, imagine this. You're tasked with planning an event. It could be an intimate workshop or a large-scale corporate event. The thought alone can be daunting. That's where Simple Events transforms your event planning into a smooth, stress-free process. No matter the size of your business or the type of event, in-person or virtual, Simple Events is your ideal partner. Simple Events is a comprehensive solution that simplifies every aspect of event management, from creating detailed attendee lists to setting up efficient workflows. Say goodbye to the hassle of juggling multiple platforms. With Simple Events, everything you need is in one convenient place. That's right. Simple Events is about empowering your events and enhancing every detail using the robust capabilities of the CRM you love. HubSpot. Unlike other tools, you can control the full event experience in your HubSpot portal. Are you ready to revolutionize how you manage events? Then visit SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. That's SidekickStrategies.com forward slash simple. As a bonus, make sure to use the special Hub Heroes promo code HELPFUL, all capitals, HELPFUL, for an exclusive discount on the Simple Events Pro Plan and step into the world of Simple Events, turning your next event from successful to spectacular. Do you live in a world filled with corporate data? Are you plagued by siloed departments? Are your lackluster growth strategies demolishing your chances for success? Are you held captive by the evil menace, Lord Lack? Lack of time, lack of strategy, and lack of the most important and powerful tool in your superhero tool belt, knowledge. Never fear, hub heroes. Get ready to don your cape and mask move into action and become the hub hero your organization needs tune in each week to join the league of extraordinary inbound heroes as we help you educate empower and execute hub heroes it's time to unite and activate your powers before we begin we need to disclose that Devin is currently employed by hubspot at the time of this episode's recording This podcast is in no way affiliated with or produced by HubSpot, and the thoughts and opinions expressed by Devin during the show are that of his own and in no way represent those of his employer. Of course, the the first week you get it right is he's not here. (laughs) Devin's not here. I started cracking up. So HubSpot is in no way responsible for all of the silence Mm -hmm. from Devin. They disavow any connection to the silence that Devin will be bringing to And I kid you not, I kid you not, I got the audio into my roadcaster too, and Slack went boop, boop, and then it was him saying he wouldn't be here and I was like Dole! that's so funny Dole! I bet it was personal I, I know bet it was it's personal. like he knew or something I know well ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another epic episode of the Hub Heroes podcast I am your host Liz Moorhead as well as our resident content strategist I am joined as always by the one and only George B. Thomas <laughs> and Maximilian Cohen of <laughs> Closed <laughs> One City and mm. Happily um. guys I'm hyped for today's episode because we have a special guest and don't worry, I'm about to introduce you, buddy, but we have somehow managed to set up an entirely unplanned organic series 
around a topics that bridge offline yes. and online yes, or seemingly disparate and quote unquote outdated outbound tactics with inbound. Careful. We did with that with, we did that with ABM. We did that with SMS texting in our last episode. And this week we are joined by the one and only Dennis Kelly of Postalytics because we're diving headfirst into the into the I, I had I don't have a metaphor here. Mm. We're talking about direct mail today, folks. There we we go. are talking about direct mail. So Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Tell well, us a little you, bit Liz. about yourself. Sure, yeah. 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 So uh, as you mentioned, I'm CEO of Postalytics. We are a direct mail automation software platform. Ooh. And and you know, believe it or not, those things seem uh, oxymoronic, <laughs> right? You know, direct mail and automation and software, like how, how do those things fit? And that's kind of the point right? Like direct mail has been this thing. It's been hanging out there for a long time, chugging away, doing what it does. And, and what we're doing is we're saying, Hey, let's bring this into the 21st century, surround it with software, integrate it with HubSpot and make it a part of the modern marketing stack. I love that so much. I love that so much. And Liz, we might be trying to subtly tell the listeners and viewers something. I mean, don't get me going. Next week might be billboards. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. How can pet rocks fit into your attract, engage, and delight <laughs> strategy in 2024? There you Find go. Find out next week. Well, that's right. 2025. Pet rocks is 2025. So, you just know. Not, we're not there yet. No, we're, we're not, not there, there yet, yet. From, a, from a technology bring perspective. It, bring it back. But, okay. So I actually want to start today's conversation by speaking explicitly to you, George, and Max. I'd love for you to share with Dennis what your initial feelings and reactions are when I say the term direct mail. What immediately comes to mind? Max, I see you. He's having a moment. You are emoting, sir. Bring those feelings out. Share them with us. Well, you got to put me on the spot like this in my first interaction with Dennis. You got to be asking me how I feel about it. Because you're wearing yellow sign. You're wearing yellow sunglasses. uh, And you look like you're about to pull me over for a speeding ticket. These are blue light glasses, all right? So we don't fry my brain looking at the computer. (laughs) The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear direct mail, Dennis, don't take any of this personally, uh, recycling the first thing comes in my head because when i get direct mail i put it in the recycling and it's just because and here let me let me be totally i am i am i'm coming to this conversation willing to have my mind changed because listen i feel the same way about crappy email marketing right that also goes right in the garbage right when i get it same thing goes with bad mail that i get too at my house right however i have more of a gut reaction to saying Oh, does this not look like a postcard from a friend or family member? Or is this not a bill? Trash. And like, I don't even open it. Right. But I know I'm, I know that that is just me. And I didn't grow up with mail being like a huge part of my, you know, day to day way I communicated with people. So I have a very, you know, jaded disposition when it comes to marketing via the mail. Right. But I know that that hasn't always been the case. And I'm sure there is a right way to do it. And a wrong way to do it. I feel like I interact with the wrongs ways of doing it a whole bunch, right? Um, so, despite uh, George and Liz, what you think, I'm, I am, mm. I am, I am totally willing to have my my mind changed and be enlightened oh, yeah. on the good ways, right? Um, and also, I have a feeling that HubSpot added that postal mail activity for a reason, Maybe. for a reason, right? So I am, I am, I am open minded. I'm willing to have my mind changed on direct mail. And Dennis, 
Thank you for being here, man. It's great to meet you. Yes. Yeah, so let let me start with that, Dennis. I, yeah, Dennis, I'm glad you're here for the conversation. I mean, I, I saw something a while ago online and was like, we need to have this conversation. Let's get you on the show. Um, what's funny, Max, is I, too, am a big uh, a person of, like, if it's crap, throw it away. Across the board. If it's a crap ad, if it's a crap email, if it's crap inbound, if it's crap, just more crap, 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 throw it away. However, on the flip side... I have probably spent the most money that I will ever spend and will continue to spend because of direct mail. And and let me explain this. What I mean by that is if I get a crappy postcard from the local insect company, trash. But as soon as Carnival or Royal Caribbean huh. send a direct mail pamphlet <laughs> that my wife and daughters can flip through and book another cruise to go on vacation, I know that direct mail works because I'm going to end up spending money. We're going to end up on a beach. We're going to be drinking cocktails. And it's not because we just woke up one day and said, let me go to Carnival.com. Let me go to Royal Caribbean. By the way, they're not sponsoring this podcast, but Carnival, if you're listening in Royal Caribbean, we can talk. But but I know that as soon as that pamphlet makes it into my real-world mailbox, I'm in trouble. George, I have a question for you. How many um, yeah. how many timeshare presentations have you sat through? I have never sat through a timeshare presentation. No, Bullshit. actually, maybe twice you in my life. You told me Carnival's Cruise <laughs> sold you maybe. stuff off of the direct mail. There is no chance in hell you have not sat through at least 14 <laughs> timeshare presentations. George. Maybe two. Maybe two. All right. Sorry. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm going to echo what George said. Uh, Royal Caribbean, if you are listening, I'm all, we could talk. Hub Heroes at Sea. Let's make it happen. But what's funny is I find myself in between both you, George, and Max. Max, on the it's one hand, I be. am definitely with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not all not of again. us can be you. Do you have your steering wheel yeah, today, I'll bud? Grab it. I'll grab it. Go grab it. But I find myself a little bit in the camp of of Max because it reminds me of this comedian who was really popular in the early 2000s named Mitch Hedberg. And he would talk about people who would hand him like brochures on the street. And his joke was, it's as if you're saying, here, throw this away for me. Um, so there's that. On the other hand, I have been a marketer who has developed direct mail campaigns that have worked exceptionally well. And I know, George, you and I have some examples that we want to dig into later in this conversation. Absolutely. Because it just makes me, it makes me wonder, like, am I just not, am I not the buyer persona that gets the fun direct mail pa packages? Because we have, I've put together some really cool ones where I'm like, I'm so glad I'm sending this to someone else, <laughs> not me. And it makes me really bummed out. So Dennis, I want to turn to you here. What do you see as the disconnect or opportunity rather between what many inbound practitioners think direct mail is and what it can be in the context of inbound? Sure. Well, you know, I think there are uh, a lot of folks that have negative perceptions of, of direct mail from uh, the, the old uh, days of junk mail uh, and, and, you know, the, the volume of junk in your mailbox uh, in 2007, 2008 was the peak of mail volume, and it's been on a, a decline, right, ever since. But, you know, at that point in those years moving up to that point, your physical mailbox 
looked a lot like your email inbox today. It was filled with repetitive, with the same, like, two current resident oh, type of, you worst. know, spray and pray. You know, it's just an impression. We're spending money. Get it out there, right? And that's what that's what became of the channel in the late 90s, early 2000s, right? And and but what what's been happening now uh, with the advent of marketing automation, and then the advent of tools like Postalytics that plug into marketing automation, is that you can use direct mail to target people who don't look at anything else. Mm. And so all of a sudden, the 70% of your audience who's not open your email can get something in their hands that they have to at least look at for a moment before deciding what to do with it. Mm. And, and so uh, you can use workflows inside of marketing automation tools like HubSpot to precisely target individual people with a single piece of highly personalized, personalized mail. And you don't have to worry about the economics of print yeah. that you know are, are driving typically people to do huge batch and blast types of campaigns where you, know, you need to send 100,000 pieces out in order to save a few pennies per piece. You know, all of that's been kind of removed by technology, all those issues. So now it's much more of like a surgical strike it can be yeah. that surgical strike that is a part of a bigger campaign. Yes. I, oh, I, I love that. Yeah, I want to ask, ahead, ask a question ahead. about just like the economies of scale, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like um, something that I've done recently, I started, a, I started a hat company and I sell these like hats online and stuff, but I don't have like a warehouse. Hold on, yeah, I'm not going to mention what it is. I don't have a warehouse, but I yeah. use, I use a print on demand. <laughs> I use a print on demand service that doesn't require minimums, right? So has there been like, I'd imagine like back in the day, I think you were like kind of alluding to it a little bit when you wanted to do these, you know, big giant mail sends, there was probably like minimums and you had to get like a certain amount and you ordered them in bulk and like, you know, then you'd kind of sent them out, blasted them out that way. And then maybe ended up with like a ton of waste and stuff. But I'd imagine the logistics of that don't really work within the context of a um, marketing automation platform. Cause it's like, you know, the idea is that, Hey, if I want to target a list of like 384 people, I just want to send 304, you know, pieces of 384 pieces of mail, right? Not like say, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, order a bunch. They're going to arrive at the office. We're going to package them up and we're going to send them out. Like, that's not how it works. Has there been like, what, what has kind of changed in the, you know, uh, the, the industry of like, you know, being able to go from a place where you had to get this stuff in bulk to being able to do it like literally on demand now, because I'm assuming that's what your platform does, right? Like I can go make a thing I want to send, choose the envelope, right? You know, figure out what's on it, maybe do some personalization tokens and stuff like that. And like, you might just be sending out one piece of mail, right? What's, exactly. what's, exactly. what's changed in like the technology behind the scenes that like allows you guys to do that and still be like profitable when like sending you know, maybe only a few pieces of mail that are highly specialized. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, there have been several changes, but, you know, the, the big thing is this. Uh, in order to, for a printer to execute on, yeah. uh, on a print job, you have to have an operator. Yep. The operator has to work with a piece of equipment. They have to load paper up into it. They have to 
load data up into it. They have to load creative up into it. They have to do this sort of mapping between the, the spreadsheet file and then the Adobe file and make sure the personalization is, is matching up. Like there's all these steps that have traditionally been required in order to process a, a run. And so there's a fixed cost. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some press operator who's getting paid, you know, 120 grand and, you know, they're spending uh, an hour, uh, you know, start to finish on this run, overseeing this piece of very expensive, sophisticated equipment. And, and so there's all this cost, kind of fixed cost into that process. So, you know, if you think about that, well, if I take that total lump cost, I divide it by one piece. That's a pretty expensive piece. Yeah. I divide it by 100,000 pieces. Well, you know, you know, some economics are happening. But what, what's happened since then is companies like us have come along and said, hey, you know what? We're going to standardize direct mail around some really popular uh, formats. Mm. Yep. And we're going to get a whole lot of companies, the scale of SaaS, <laughs> to contribute and process mail all day long by firing data out of HubSpot and, and into these templates that can be then pushed out to print partners in aggregate with, you know, hundreds of other companies yeah. every day. Yep. So you could send one piece of mail, you could send 10,000 pieces of mail, you could send 100,000 pieces of mail. They all get treated exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. They're all priced very competitively and, uh, and, and they take advantage of the scale that we bring to the equation that we bring to our print partners, Yep. Uh, but allow marketers to not have to worry. You don't have to worry about print economics. You don't have to worry about postage. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like to, I like to tell people that are, you know, uh, email oriented. I say, what, you know, when, when you send an email campaign, are you worrying about lining up a email server and, and go and build a contract with an email server and, you know, cut a deal around this campaign with an email server in order to distribute your emails? No, no, of course not. Are you worrying about the internet protocols that determine, you know, how that mail, how that email is being distributed across uh, the World Wide Web? Of course not. Well, and that's kind of what we're doing for physical mail. Yeah, got we're it. saying you don't need to go find a printer. You don't need to worry about postage and all these requirements, USPS yeah. to get everything exactly the way it has to be. We deal with all that stuff. Yeah. You market, be a marketer. Yeah. And so we want you to focus on the message, the call to action, the integration with the landing page, the integration with HubSpot. Yeah. Like that's where you need to spend your time. Love it. So there's a couple of things I want to unpack from there. One, you're making it easy. Two, you're letting me do what I actually like to do anyway versus the other crap that I'd rather stay away from. But I definitely love this idea of the power of community or the power of scale of multiple people using like type items that get then into the process. But the thing that you said that before, Liz, I hand it back over to you and we keep chugging along that I want the listeners to pay attention to is that you started to use the term like surgical, right? Per, and, and I always have this thing where I tell people, listen, listen, this is more of a scalpel, less of a sledgehammer around some other things that we talk about with marketing. And I want you to realize when we're talking about direct mail, 
We are talking more scalpel use, less sledgehammer use. And so think about where that fits in with inbound and HubSpot. Liz, let's keep chugging along. Yeah, because here's what I want to dig into here, because you you made the point, Dennis, there of allowing marketers to do what they are supposed to be doing. Now, George, you and I have had a couple of very interesting conversations over the past few weeks where in clients that you and I both work with, with the case for direct mail is actually very obvious. So could you speak to some of those examples? Yeah. So um, the one I'm going to bring up, well, and, and I think it's the most memorable because a, I was young in my career when this happened, this example that I'm going to bring up. Um, two, it was one of those moments where I knew everything. Let me show you. This is the inbound way. And then all of a sudden this happened. Um, and then it's something that I've just carried with me because I'm like, oh, shoot, there's we should always probably check this thing. And so, Liz, the, the example that I'm going to use here where I feel like if I would have known about Postalytics and this whole idea back then, I would have been like, and here's where we're going with it. Because we could have tied it to the CRM. We could have measured results versus what ended up happening is this person probably went and did it the old school way and there was no connection to analytics or understanding and so we were kind of in the same boat. Anyway, here's the example. Uh, I was training an HVAC company on HubSpot and how to use HubSpot and how to do inbound marketing. And we got to the conversation of data hygiene or database cleanliness. And we ran the usual list that we run to show that people are just not real active or probably not a good fit. I got to my usual spiel where I said, um, so let's go ahead and delete those humans Oh, wait, let's delete those humans from the there, data, we there we go, from the database, right? And uh, to which the owner said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't know if we're ready to delete those yet. And I said, well, why not? They haven't visited the website. There's no sales activity. Like, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're just not. And he goes, listen, one thing that you have to understand, and by the way, I feel... Uh, more in tune with this now that I'm 52 versus it being about eight years ago. He said, one thing you have to understand is most of my uh, business is 55 or older. I'm lucky if they even get on the internet, let alone come visit my website. And so what I'd like to do before we delete these contacts, I want to send them a letter or send them a postcard or see if I can get them to call in. Right. And so now, so think about that even, right? We talked about SMS last week, text in, call in, make sure you're using a HubSpot phone number. When they call in, you can track that. Now we're talking about using Postalytics because that could be the send and then the phone call. So now the, 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 the mail is tracked. The call is tracked. Like it's all like, you see how it's like creating this like ecosystem, even what was historically outbound. So for me, I'm sitting there as a young marketer going, this guy just took me to school because there is an audience that isn't going to do what we think they should do. And we should have a way to serve them. And by the way, Dennis, this is why when I saw the LinkedIn post, I was immediately like, we need to bring this to the masses. I'm, Love it. Love I'm, it. I lo oh, I'm, I'm having, Max, okay, what you got? I think I'm having a, a little bit of a coming around on all of this. And I'm uh -oh. trying to. You having a breakthrough? Yeah. Are we having a breakthrough? I'm, 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 uh, I'm drinking some of my own medicine here. You know how I always say, um, <laughs> you know how I, I, there's that line that I use all the time um, when I talk about uh, people's reluctance to like do like social media and stuff like that is like I'll say the uh, 
your your future buyers are growing up on TikTok and Twitch, not not Google and Facebook anymore. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I think I know where you're going. I think I probably also need to maybe realize that the way that people like to communicate can also be I mean I mean there I'm basically saying People prefer to communicate. He's having People such a hard time to, just uh, saying he was wrong. It's like watching a pony. It's like watching a pony learn yeah. to walk. This is great. What Keep I'm going saying, on. I need to apply that same logic that people like to communicate in the way they grew up communicating. And I need to remember that if your audience grew up communicating more with mail, they're probably more likely to engage with that medium than something else. And so... careful about us being a little bit I'm too ages no, though that's not and what I'm here's saying. why I'm saying now, your audience let is me different. finish <laughs> let me finish <laughs> because the the example that came to me the example that immediately came to mind for me is a client that George and I work on together and it reminded me of something similar I saw when I used to do ABM work at my old agency which is when you're dealing in certain industries where the deal sizes are exceptionally large, or in the case of the client that George and I work with, they are dealing with endowments that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And so they are going around to specific institutions where you could give them the digital versions of all of the collateral that you're going to give them, but there is, there is something more institutional and established about creating those pieces as tactile, physical collateral pieces that can be tailored to the institution that you're trying to reach that can be sent to very specific people. You can send, you can send different types of messages in different types of ways in the three dimension. There are certain things that I think can get lost when you have it purely in a digital space. Like think about for some folks, like there are some people who are purists and will never read a book on a Kindle. It will f- never happen because they lose something from the digital tactile experience. And there are some people who are totally fine with it. But I completely agree with you, Max. I wasn't trying to pee in your fun cereal. I'm so glad you have learned how you're a pony who's learned to walk. Everything's fine. We're growing. We're having breakthroughs. That's amazing. I think two things are true. You need to be hyper aware of who your audience is, where they are, and what their preferences are for consuming information. And then you also have to meet them where they are in terms of what is the scale of what you're trying to achieve? What is the, what are the things that you need to communicate from an established nature? What are the things that, that can only be communicated in a physical format? So it's both, it's both and. And, and you Love know, it. often in, in those, what we'd call highly considered purchases, mm-hmm. big ticket items, yep. they're often not decided by a single person. Sure. So think about college recruitment. We have a lot of, uh, you know, higher ed institutions that are driving out, you know, highly, highly personalized uh, letters and packages to a student, but also mom and dad, right? And, or whoever's in the family, because these are shared experiences. When, when you're buying a car, when you're buying, you know, a a, a really expensive thing, you're buying insurance policy, you know, these are things that have to be kind of handed back and forth. 
and talked about over the dinner table or over the at the kitchen counter, right? And and that physical thing is lingering. It's not something that is in and out instantly. It hangs around. So when something comes in the mail that is perceived to be potentially of some value, there's a long tail of consumption of that oh, yeah. content. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, there's a so long tail why... on those carnival brochures, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that, those suckers lay on my kitchen table for the longest of times. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I love, Dennis, what you're saying here because the way my brain works. By the way, and I'm looking at the chat pane for a second, then, Dennis, I'll hand it back over so you can finish your thought. But I'm looking at the chat pane, and Chad is in here going, the roofing industry direct mail is huge. It's like a, a top of mind always type scenario when you do one person's roof sending mail, right? The neighbors. Uh, Dennis, what you were talking about, I started to get this like when there's a group or community decision. So now we've already talked about if it's demographically needed, direct mail. If it's financial basis of we're talking about hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and you need a tactile, different real world feel, maybe direct mail. If if it's a community or group like my wife and daughter's decision-making process, maybe you need something that can be passed back and forth, direct mail. So it's super interesting how we're almost building in real time a matrix of opportunities that business should be thinking about when to tag that scalpel version of marketing and sales into the mix. Dennis, go ahead and continue on. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll just sort of wrap this with some really interesting uh, brain research that was done up in Canada. So uh, neurologists were studying the impact of marketing messages that are consumed by something that is held in your hand. Could be mail, could be something else, right? But, but there's some sort of package, some sort of thing that you're holding yeah. in your reading versus looking at an ad on a screen and the brand recall was 70% higher on the thing that you hold in your hand. Huh. You're, in, you're, you're using more than one sense, right? You're using multiple sensory mm. things in your body yeah. to deal with this message. And, and so, so there's, there's science that also says, Hey, you know, you can get somebody to slow down for a sec and stop and look at something. And even if it's going to the recycler, right? You have to look at it because it may be something you need. So you have to make that decision. And it's, you, you, you put it aside, you throw it away, you keep the couple things that are of value that you wanna dig into further, you come back to them. What do you go? What, when you do get something of value, where do you go? You go on the website. You go to the website of the company that is hitting you up. And that is why, to complete the circle, this is an inbound marketing tactic. Because today, direct mail is about getting people to go to that site, go to a landing page, and begin the inbound experience. Or, or to in a scenario where uh, direct mail could never be used in the past, uh, low funnel, mid funnel, post sale, all these types of things that, that inbound does so well, right? Right. All of that. Now this is, this can be a, a part of those stories. Okay. So I have to, I have, Oh my gosh. So, um, 
There was so much good right there, by the way. Like, rewind and re-listen to that segment right there because um, a couple things that are just going through my brain right now. One, everybody is living at freaking warp speed. And so the fact that, Dennis, you said getting people to slow down, like, if you can get them to slow down, I would say that is a super powerful moment that you're having with them because it's more time, even though it might be like less time in general, but more time than they're giving the average thing that they're seeing in this warp speed digital world. But then you triggered in my brain something that I haven't thought about for probably about 14, no, maybe 16 years. And when I started out, I, I started out as a designer and I had a creative director that was teaching me different things. And I'll never forget this conversation we had about the because we were ordering this project for a company and he and he had to go down to the actual paper place because he wanted to know how the paper felt. He wanted to know how the paper smelled. And like it, and for him, it was this very, you know, sensory touch feel when I'm looking at it, like what what is the entire experience going to be? And I had I had forgot about that. I had lost that until you started to mention that. And so so this idea of a tactile, sensory, slow down moment, what I hope people hear when they listen to this is how important the copy and the graphics that you're putting on that moment to go with what we're talking about is. So it's not like a, a historical, let's turn it out and hope for the best. It's a, let's let's use this to make a, yes, I said turn it out, Max. Let's make it, let's make it. Yeah. I mean, I could have used a different word, but you know. Pe- or um, peen and cereal, but let's make it a turning special, it out. Yeah, let's God. make it a special We're doing great, moment. guys. We're doing great. We're doing good. Let's make it a special moment. Like, let's make it an experience in that moment. Speaking of experiences, and and Dennis, I've been looking at the, uh, you know, whenever I look at integrations, I always like to go into the HubSpot app marketplace and try to make sense of it. I'm seeing this thing in here that you guys can do these uh, free personalized like URLs and these QR codes. Um, And the, the next thing I see is that you're doing personalized landing pages. Are you guys like packaging up? cookie information into a url and then turning that into a qr code so if someone like hits, dang you just got nerdy bro I mean, if someone hits the website it's it's doing like smart content and like personalization tokens yeah dude uh, it, that's in, crazy that is in, in, in and we have we actually uh have, have been doing this for quite a while wow. where we're able to generate a unique url for every single person yeah that is going to receive a piece of mail. That URL could be a URL. It could be a QR code. Yeah. And then we, you know, there's a, a lot of the, the data that is driving the personalization of the mail piece. Uh, we're able to repurpose and sprinkle tokens into the HTML your landing page. Uh-huh. So, you know, <laughs> we have customers that are sending out direct mail that is completely data driven and personalized based on a wide variety of, of factors. So different images, different content blocks, uh, right? All this type of thing is, you know, zeroing in a piece of mail that is is designed specifically for you. And then where a lot of the time people, marketers have gotten this wrong is the transition 
from one medium to the next, if it is jarring, if it is not familiar, if it is not consistent, you're going to lose people. Yeah. So this is about conversion rate optimization as well, right? This is, this is about taking the data points that you pull together in your direct mail piece and making sure that I'm seeing something that has message match when I go to the next step of the process, when I go online to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And so having that continuity will raise your response rates significantly. And so, yeah, so the mail is a part of a digital experience. It happens to be physical. Yeah. Right. But, but it's a, it's a part of a much bigger, uh, you know, digital experience that, you know, is, is, is driving you to a particular call to action. Okay. So I want to pivot the conversation here because we've been talking a lot about some of the best practices, some of the things that we see work well, the importance of understanding what makes this tactile physical experience so powerful. But I'd love to hear from you all, and, and in particular, you, Dennis, as well, what are some of the pitfalls or mistakes we've either experienced or seen from brands that should be avoided with direct mail? I'll <laughs> go first. Um, you know, George, you mentioned earlier, you know, not skimping on the copy, not skimping on the design. I've actually seen the inverse where the copy and the design are spot on and the and the uh, materials are just garbage. Like they they go as cheap as possible in terms of what it is that they are actually delivering to you, whether that's going through a service where there isn't a lot of QA, so things are off-centered, or the, you're trying to convey something that's supposed to be of high quality, big deal sizes, you know, high investment opportunities, but the paper itself is very low quality itself, things like that. That's just something that always irks me, but I know you guys probably have some more strategic answers to that in terms of the no-nos, the don'ts, the bads. Yeah, Dennis. Well, uh, sure. uh, yeah, I, I, I say the, the number one thing that, that we see uh, are, are people who say, hey, you know, uh, my, my email marketing is on kind of a long-term decline in effectiveness. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of other channels. I want to try direct mail. So I'm going to send a campaign. And if it works, we'll keep doing it. And I say, okay, well, how do you define a campaign? Well, we're going to send one postcard out to a thousand people one time. And, and if we hear back, you know, if we have some response, great, we'll keep going. And and my response is, okay, well, is, is this a cold solicitation? Are, are these people who know you? Uh, and, and the answer is often, uh, no, these are not people who know me. This is a cold solicitation. I said, all right, well, if you had a sales rep who made 100 phone calls and left 100 voicemails and never did another thing, what would you think of that sales rep? Mm. And inevitably, they say, that rep is fired. He's out. And I said, well, that's gonna, is what's going to happen to your direct mail because you, 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 you have very little chance of success if you think that you can do like a one-off little, you know, one-time campaign and expect to have really any influence on any audience. And so it's just bad marketing. And so it's marketing one-on-one 
applied to a different medium. And that's really a, a big emphasis of, of where we're trying to, um, you know, lead the market. Uh, we've just put together what we call Postalytics Academy, and uh, we're okay. super excited about it. And it's designed, it's a free set of online courses. I don't know where I would have got that idea, uh, but uh, <laughs> free set of online <laughs> courses uh, where folks are able to learn the fundamentals of direct marketing, of direct mail, of how technology is starting to change direct mail. And then of course, you can learn how to use Postalytics and apply all that, right? So uh, it, it's a huge thing for us is to kind of teach the fundamentals of direct mail marketing to the world. So. Liz, one, let's make sure we get a link to that academy um, and put mm -hmm. it in the show notes so people can get to that. I'm trying to figure out how I can manufacture some more time in my day because I'm like, oh, an academy. Let me go see what I can learn there because I, th I think this is really important. And it's funny because, Dennis, when I was listening to you, I, I, like things in my brain of like, oh, 17 touches and top of mind and like brand awareness. And like I see it online and I see it in my mailbox and I see it here and I see it on the billboard. And, and all of it interacts to be the one, th you know, one thing that all of a sudden they get this great idea. Let me just reach out to that company. And they don't even really remember why it is that they're going to reach out to that company, but it's the 17 things. And so this idea of one off and, and that's what you're going to do. No, first of all, it doesn't even have to always be cold. It might be lukewarm and then you're doing it. So there's just some good stuff there. I'll tell you the thing that cracks me up, Liz, I agree with you. Crappy paper, glossy, uh, orange on blue, black, black on purple. Like how, the, how do you think I'm going to read this? Like, can you, can you check out some design principles, best practices before you buy your postcards or whatever it is? But here's the one that always kills me is, is I'll, I'll, before I throw it away, I'll actually give it a minute and I'll look at it just because I'm a nerdy marketer and also a, a nerdy designer. And I want to just see what's going on. I can't tell you the amount of direct pieces of mail that I get. And I'm like, hmm, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> what, 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 what am I supposed to do? This next? reminds me. This reminds like, me of our calls to action episode where it's like, are you giving a person a clear next step? If yeah. you don't give them a clear next step, they're gone. Yeah. I'm like, I don't feels great. Actually doesn't look terrible. Have no clue what the flip it is you want me to do. <laughs> Cylindrical file. So like you, like the, again, we're creating a little bit of a matrix of things to think about when you're going to create that piece of like, oh yeah, I need, it needs to feel good, smell good, look good and tell people what the heck I want them to do in a way that they don't get lost along the way. Like it can't be, you know, you've all seen that PowerPoint that has like half a book on it. And everybody's like, I don't even know where to look. Anyway, that's, that's my thing. Make sure you have a call to action on these bad boys. Maxie, what about you? What are your what are your don'ts, your no nos? He's already for, signing up to do a postalytics run for as happily or or hat typically as Chad put it. Uh, I mean, I do, I, I do shilling for I big hats. I do have some mailing addresses, I guess, so I could probably move some hats that way. Cross sales up, sales baby. I think the big thing, like I'm trying to figure out, because again, I'm I'm here to learn. I don't know if I necessarily have like a bunch of like don'ts other than like you know, I think I I think honestly. A lot of the same things that I say about email marketing would apply the same to, you know, uh, uh, direct mail marketing. It's like 
buying lists and blasting stuff out, like probably isn't going to be, you know, uh, that good. If anything, it might be more detrimental because it's like, oh, you're giving me a physical task to throw something away that I didn't want. I wasn't expecting here. Right. Um, so I'd say like, you know, take take I think take everything you know about email marketing. Maybe again, I don't know if this is an educated take, uh, but try to apply that also. Right. Because you're, you're doing the same thing. Like you're sending the mail. It's just in their their mailbox, not their inbox. Right. Um, so I'd say try to apply like a lot of those same best practices, but like what I'm trying to figure out the big thing I'm, I'm like trying to wrap my head around is like, where does direct mail sort of like fit into like a typical inbound strategy and like, does it all the time or is it, is this something that really is only going to work when you have an audience that likes to have, likes to be communicated with that way right or is it Liz? does it depend on what you're selling or is it like a stage honestly thing? that was our next right, question so max yeah. you're doing s- my work for yeah, us I was gonna say, let's Liz, hit it do you have a question that's for that, what maybe? i'm trying to figure out like let's, what are the rules of thumb around slap it? Like, on that. Where, like where am i gonna go tell like the all inbound marketer like you should this is where you how you should fold in direct mail right like a cheese folding <laughs> layers it's <laughs> like a freak? croissant no, just me okay yep. all right i got you I'm alone. Wah, wah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think your analogy between direct mail and email is spot on. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's often how I try to explain postalytics to people. I say it's kind of like email, except it happens to print and mail. Yeah. Right. The, so our software kind of works like email. It looks and acts and feels like email when you're setting up campaigns. So uh, it, it so the principles are the same, right? You you, you have a, a, a target, you have a person with some data associated with them, you've got some creative, you merge them together, you send them out, and then you monitor whether or not they respond. Sure. And so, so, so the most natural, lowest hanging fruit for inbound marketers is to try direct mail with the audience that is not responding to your email. Interesting. Okay. That is absolutely the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Big, so, cause probably so you, it's a big indicator. Know. If they're not using email, they're probably using some kind of mail. Right. And there really is the yeah. only one option besides, I guess, carrier pigeon, which would be physical mail, even the same. So yeah. The drones are coming, but we're yep. not there yet. Yep. yep. So <laughs> smoke signals, falcons with little caps yes. on their heads. Yes. Where are we at with those? Oh, I like falcons with caps. That's telepathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big fan. Okay, so that's interesting. So like yeah. trying, trying, like you know, I mean, and that's something that's like easily actionable, right? Like go, go take a look at your gray mail list, or like you know, build the list of people whose unopened emails like hit a certain amount, right? Like. You know, HubSpot's already helping you build the workflow in HubSpot yeah, to, to contact through your last five emails. And yep. when you find somebody that hasn't opened an email in, in five or six touches, mm-hmm. drop them into a three or four touch direct mail sequence. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 trigger triggers, you know, some different mail pieces out with some different offers over a period of a couple of months and see what happens. Yeah. If you get some Ooh. engagement bring them back in. So w- what we advise folks to do is try, use direct mail to try to bring them back, get them re-engaged, and then try to get them back on email mm-hmm. because email costs less. Yeah, right. true. It, it, so if, if you can use email, 
do it. But if, if it's not working, don't just keep pounding it. Right. The yeah. definition of insanity, we all know what that is. Yep. So, so you, you've got to use other tactics and, and that's where we try to plug in and make that a, a seamless process to, to use some different direct mail techniques to yeah. get that audience engaged again. George, I want to, po- I want to poke a little I, more, but I, you, you have a question. Ask it. Yeah. Well, no, I, not a question. You poke here in a minute. Um, I think I have a new talk track to be honest with you because there's a list for that already. Uh, the unengaged email yeah. list, 11 unopened emails. Yep. And what's happening now is most people are getting in that list and then people are just like, delete them, forget about them, whatever. But it's real interesting to me to think about a narrative where it's if they reach the unengaged list, then there's something that fires them into a 90-day direct mail campaign. Make sure I go over to my settings and have resubscribe flipped on for my forms when I do get them back to the website and they can resubscribe or whatever they have to do for the email if they've unsubscribed, which, by the way, might be another one. If they unsubscribe, wait 60 days and send them direct mail. If in unengaged uh, you know, email list, then set up the th- – like. so there's literally two ways right there that you could start to think about this folding into – see what I did there, Liz? Folding into your – and not even without even watching the show. Fold them into your inbound strategies just in those two ways right, right now. All right, I have two questions, um, two separate ones. So is are, do you see that, like, is Postal Mail better for landing, like, initial business, or is it more effective for, like, repeat business? Or is there even, like, a conversation to be had there? From a response rate perspective. Like, like where do you find it more, where do you find it more uh, uh, effective, right? Because, like, I could make the argument of, like, I've never heard of this company before. I'm not going to open up this shit they sent me versus, oh, I had a great experience with these people. I'll, I'll, I'll open this envelope. I'll take a minute to see what's going on. Right. Like, is there, is there anything you see in terms of like the successfulness of, um, you know, uh, direct mail in those two different like scenarios? Yeah. So, so response rates are double when you are sending direct mail to, Customer. A warm audience. Yeah. Exactly. Got exactly. It. So, so you know, we see eight, nine, ten percent response rates. You're sending to a, a warm audience. When you're sending to a cold audience, it's you know two, three, you know four is really good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh. So, so, but for certain audiences, direct mail is the best way to acquire new customers too mm-hmm. right so yeah. if, if 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 you are um that uh the hvac company yep right and and you need to respond quickly to a storm in an area you can you can hit uh, uh you know neighborhoods and zip codes with very very timely messages and you're gonna you're gonna get new customers yeah. You know, it's it is for for certain scenarios, it is the best way to get new customers. Yeah. But overall, uh, you see a much, much higher response rate when you're communicating with people that already have an association with your brand. Cool. Last cut. Last question. I know we're, 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 we're getting a time here, but I think it's important. We talk a lot about 
uh, you know, especially in the email conversation, we talk a lot about a consent, right? And like acquiring emails and like the ability to email people. What's the consent conversation around physical mail? And like, what are the best ways to gather addresses? Is it like you're only mailing people who have given you a mailing address and giving you consent? Um, are the laws like a little bit different around that? Like, what do people, what do marketers need to know? Like around like, can I actually send postal mail to folks and how do I get their addresses? Well, you know, the, the regulatory and compliance uh, uh, framework that the world's been marching toward uh, is another reason why folks are turning to direct mail again, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, there really aren't, there's no notion of can spam yep. or, uh, you know, there, there's no real regulatory requirement to uh, opt out addresses and names of addresses are public data. Sure. Yeah. You can go to you can go to the government office and you can you can pull, you know, who owns this piece of property and who lives where and it, it's all public. Wild. So yeah. uh so you know, there's it, it's it's a much less challenging environment from a regulatory standpoint, uh, because of that very thing. It's a it's public data that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. So the one thing I'll say out of that that I hope the listeners take away from that is because it's easy, a lot of people will screw it up. And so again, this is a this is a time where if you take the time to make it right and pay attention to the things that we've talked about today, yours will be the special piece in a pile of crap that they will look at, they will engage with that because you put a call to action on it will get you business. I love that. Dennis, I want to give you our last question for today. So for any listeners out there who are now considering looking at direct mail as an option, or maybe they're rethinking their approach because they're already doing it, what is the one piece of advice you want to leave them with today about how to do this right? So the, the, the most important thing is, I, I guess the thing that I default to, similar to the things that George was, was saying, you, you have to apply the same marketing fundamentals, the same good marketing practices to this channel that you have with every other channel. And so, you know, you, you, you have to do things right. You have to, if you're going to do something, invest, do it the right way. Give it, you know, a six month, a one year kind of run and, 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 and work it, try multiple things. It's easily tested, right? We've got the ability to capture response. So test, send out letters, send out postcards, send out, you know, folding mailers, try different audiences with different calls to action. All of those things, right. That, that we all know you do in email marketing and, and digital marketing, you have to apply those to direct mail. It's just a slightly different medium. Fantastic. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. What is the best place for people to connect with you uh, if they have more questions? Well, you can hit me up, uh, Dennis at postalytics.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And so uh, look me up there. Uh, we're, we'd be thrilled to talk to anybody. And uh, I really want to thank you guys. This has been a blast. Uh, uh, I, this is the most fun I've had in a podcast in a long time. So there you guys we go. know how to bring it. All right. Yeah. There we go. Let's go. go.
we fold in the cheese and the fun. <laughs> right, guys? Yes? No? And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in this week. Obviously, if you love us, please don't hesitate to leave us a review on your preferred podcast provider. But otherwise, gentlemen, I will talk to you next week. Okay, Hub Heroes, we've reached the end of another episode. Will Lord Lack continue to loom over the community, or will we be able to defeat him in the next episode of the Hub Heroes podcast? Make sure you tune in and find out in the next episode. Make sure you head over to thehubheroes.com to get the latest episodes and become part of the League of Heroes. FYI, if you're part of the League of Heroes, you'll get the show notes right in your inbox, and they come with some hidden power-up potential as well. Make sure you share this podcast with a friend, leave a review if you like what you're listening to, and use the hashtag, hashtag HubHeroesPodcast, on any of the socials and let us know what strategy conversation you'd like to listen into next. Until next time, when we meet and combine our forces, remember to be a happy, helpful, humble human, and of course, always be looking for a way to be someone's hero.